Values, an official podcast of Broken Arrow Schools on the Arrow Vision Network. I'm your host, Adam J. Foreman, and with me today is my co-host, Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Janet Vinson. Welcome, Dr. Vinson. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be here. We are excited about this podcast and the several other podcasts that we're going to have over the coming months, just to give you kind of an inside glimpse into what Broken Arrow Schools is all about, a little behind-the-scenes tour, really just to be very informational and also conversational. And so the core values one, we'll talk about everything academic, everything, uh, well, not athletics, I shouldn't say that, everything clubs and organizations and really just like topical issues that are in the education world today. So what I want to talk about right now right off the bat and ask you is, well, we're a little, two, we're a couple of weeks into it, but welcome back to school. Well, thank you. And in-person <laughs> learning, yeah, it's a little, a little late, but in-person learning and, and the obstacles we've had to overcome from last year. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Okay, well, you know, first of all, we had really did have an excellent start. I, I was, um, I've been in over half the, the sites so far this year, and man, kids are just happy to be in class. Teachers are happy to be in class teaching. You know, I think that's something that we lost sight of last year, thinking that, that schools didn't want to be in person. Oh my gosh, do we? we we're here because we want to see the kids' faces. Um, and of course, because we want them to learn, but but our start has been good. There, you know, there's a little bit different variables. Obviously, <laughs> we have a new strain of COVID, and and we're you know doing our best to battle that, um, and trying to adjust every time there's changes in legislation or rules that are that are pushed down from our our state level. So that's been an adjustment. Um, you know, it's both, both a bl- blessing and a curse, to be honest. But absolutely, um, but it's it's been a really really good start, and I feel like we feel a lot more confident this year, just because we have a year under our belts of adjusting each time we have COVID cases. Um, but you know, back to being in person, our kids and our our employees and our teachers we're just happy to be here with kids that's that's why we're here that's why we all went into education absolutely and I gotta say when I went out to school sites myself everywhere all the teachers were so happy and smiling and the kids were happy like you could feel that they kind of went through this they trudged through this trail last year and they finally got to a destination and they feel so much different than we did last year almost like we have a template ready just in case <laughs> something happens and, you know, knock on wood. But yeah, they, it, I just, I sense a different feel in the schools it, this it, year. It does feel different. And, and you're right. They're, they're very, very happy to be here. And it's just a, it's a good atmosphere. I think we got our first, you know, football game under the belt and that was fun, even though it didn't, we didn't get the result we wanted or actually second football game because we played down in. That's uh, right. And we got that result yeah. we wanted. Yes, we did. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, I can tell you, even at the football game, I looked up in the stands a few times and saw our band all having fun and dancing and playing music and our, our jungle squad uh, doing what they do and all of our student leadership. And that brought toy- tears to my eyes because it's just the joy that, that our kids get from those types of events and being able to really have the real high school experience. I always say Broken Arrow is the biggest little small town I've ever been in. And you can feel that sense of community in every aspect. Absolutely. And with the education being the biggest employer in this town, it impacts the most people yes. in this town. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people don't realize that, but we are by far the largest employer with about 2,500 employees, full-time employees. That's not counting part-time. Um, so we're a big organization. We're a small city. <laughs> And speaking of numbers, like my yeah. segue there, yeah. we are uh, closing in on 20,000 
students enrolled in BA schools. That's a small city in, in Oklahoma somewhere. I don't know if I'm laughing in joy or fear. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of both. <laughs> a little both. But yes, we, uh, right, I think currently it's, uh, the exact number is 19,598. I think that's I what I saw this morning, yes. So as, as of today, we probably have crossed the 600 mark on that, but we are, we're, we are getting very, very close to the 20,000. And we may have some celebration planned when we hit that mark. Um, I think a lot of people want to, of course, try to find negatives and everything, and they criticize us on our size. But our size is what makes us great. That's how we provide so many opportunities, not just for our students, but for our families and for our employees to do things that they can't do in small towns because you just, you just don't have the capacity. Oh, absolutely. Well, in closing in on that 20, what does that mean curriculum-wise? What does that mean state-wise, like size comparison to the rest of the districts? Like, what does that mean for us? So we, we currently are about the fifth, the last time I looked at the numbers, we're the fifth largest district in the state. Of course, we do have the largest high school in um, but I can see us taking over the fourth position um, if we continue to grow at this rate. Uh, a lot of people would think that our growth had slowed down through, <laughs> through COVID. And while our enrollment dropped last year, now we have just exploded this year. Um, I believe it's over 1,000 kids that we, we added. Now, Are of you course, serious? Yeah. Now, now, some of those, of course, came back after COVID, but we still had a lot of growth. Um, interestingly enough, our elementary classrooms are in really good shape. Um, you know, of course, we opened up Rosewood last year, but as far as class sizes, we're doing really well. That doesn't mean we're not going to need another elementary soon, <laughs> but that's that's where we're doing well. Middle schools, we're getting crowded, and fortunately, within this bond issue, we do have another middle school slated, um, and we will build another another middle school structure uh, in that grade level. We've talked a little bit, quite honestly, about an eighth grade center. And so there will be more to come on that and, and whether we ch make that choice. But um, that's a discussion that the board will have. Well, you can see when you drive around just all the new developments that go up every – it seems like every day I see a new development going up. Do you guys get any kind of forewarning or forecasting of that stuff when those things take place in the city? Yes, that's actually a move we made two years ago. I, I dedicated one of our staff members that they are our city liaison. So their job is to keep track of those – those areas of growth and go to city meetings, county meetings to determine, okay, before they've even approved new developments, we need to be ahead of that and know how many uh, homes are going in. And we've got it down to a science now where we can determine pretty darn closely um, how many kids will come out of an apartment complex, out of a housing complex based on um, the price of the home, the, the price of the, the apartment, and the size of the apartment. It's pretty pretty cool. It makes, we, it makes we you wonder how they did that in the 80s during I the period. Know, there was I just no way. Well, and I've heard stories. Dr. <laughs> Oliver has shared with me many stories about how they thought they were going to have to put up a circus tent because they were Seriously. growing so fast. They had no space to put put students in. And that's how we ended up with all those portables ah, for so the long. the portable boom. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, and so my first year, this is my 12th year here. My first year here is when we got rid of all the started the process of getting rid of over 100 portable and we uh, don't have buildings. a single one anymore do we, we don't have a single one that's amazing because no. you can't say that about a lot of schools no you can't so when we do build buildings you'd mentioned rosewood elementary earlier which we'll get to in just a minute but let's talk about one of our biggest things that we have done this year and that would be the vanguard academy and for most people who don't know what the vanguard academy is it is a stem facility 
that is built just north and east of the current high school campus, but something that has been gestating for quite a while and was through a bond issue. So let's talk about Vanguard a little bit. I'd love to. Um, before we talk about the building and then the ag barn that's in the back, it's phenomenal. But uh, one of the things I wanted to point out is that the bond language um, for for Vanguard or the STEM facility <clears throat> really dictated where we, we put, placed it. Um, you know, we have to follow that legal language, and that legal language did say that the STEM facility would be at the high school campus. So we, we pushed the parameters as wide as we could. It's technically there, right? It Just is. across it's, the street? It's, it's across a neighbor? the street. It's, yeah. it's basically diagonal, and, and we run a shuttle back and forth. Um, but it um, it is state-of-the-art. We went all over the country and looked at places. We looked at the engineering school at OSU, and so some of the programs in there are just phenomenal. And as a result, we've had, you know, state leaders in and out of our building for the last month and a half. Uh, we had, the, you know, of course, the Secretary of Agriculture and the, and the governor has, has come through. He hasn't made an official visit, but I can tell you He'll he came there. through. He'll get there. He can will. feel it. Um, and, you know, what we've heard from this is this is a completely different way of doing education, and it is. We have, we've had a traditional structure in place where kids go to six or seven hours a day for so long. Well, that's not what these students do, not the full-time students in Vanguard. Um, there's this integrated, and it's much more of a uh, concept of, of giving back to community and learning how to be a community leader. So they will ch- you know, choose projects of interest, and then all of their courses are embedded in those projects of interest. And they're learning from experts. They have an amazing facility and, you know, it will just continue to grow. We are just starting out with it. And, you know, with anything we do, we, we want to walk first and then run. So we took, we've got freshmen and sophomores in those programs. Juniors and seniors take electives there. And then next year it will be freshman, sophomore, junior. And then the, uh, the year after that, it will be all grades. <clears throat> and that, then we'll probably be very close to capacity because we have a lot of people <laughs> interested now. Um, oh, once they set foot in it, they uh, want to be there foot, exactly. immediately. Um, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Ag Barn. So what's different about our STEM facility than any other, even in the country I've heard of, is that we attach the agricultural science to those science, technology, engineering, and math concepts so that it really matches what's regional. Um, we were very passionate about making sure that these students are learning concepts that will be helpful, helpful to the Broken Arrow and Oklahoma community first, and then we can go wider. Um, the students drove a lot of it, of what the curriculum would be and what they would be studying. Um, but as a result, we are very, very pleased with, with what we've come up with, and I just highly recommend that people go to, on our website, learn about it, it is perfect for a specific type of student and or a group of specific types of students as far as the, the um, full-time um, programs. And then the electives, honestly, those are our upper-level math and science classes where our students can really do a lot of project-based learning um, and get ready for those college classes that they'll be in in those STEM fields. Well, and tell people about how it's not going to be just a traditional uh, grading system. It's not a traditional anything at this point. It is all being rewritten. It's not. And you know, I did have a question from a parent. Well, how come you're just taking freshmen and sophomores right now? And, and in all honesty, it's because <clears throat> we have got such a tradition in, in Oklahoma about how we do our credits for graduation. And in order to make sure that there are no hiccups with any of these students and their, their transcript is a uniform 
way of reporting what that learning is, we had to start with freshmen and sophomore who were just starting to build those transcripts. It would have been a nightmare to try to do that with a junior oh or senior. Oh, my gosh, I can't um, imagine. Yeah, and, and we don't ever want to put kids at risk of not graduating on time or having some kind of gap. Um, so, uh, again, the grading system is completely different. And, you know, at first blush, it looks like, well, gosh, they're not getting grades. Actually, they're probably getting graded a little bit more rigorously because there are specific concepts they have to hit. It's mastery. Um, and that's what we do in band. That's what we do in athletics. And so, yes, we do that in a regular classroom, but those grades sometimes, you know, it's the, the tail wagging the dog, and we're, more, we're relying more on just making sure we have grades than what we're learning. It's quite the opposite using this type of method because we're really focused in on those specific concepts we want to learn and what's that level of mastery the students are really engaged, too, because they know exactly what they have to learn by the end to complete that project, and it's something they're passionate about. So that takes out that whole, do I really have to do this assignment? <laughs> yes, yes, you <laughs> yeah, do. you do. <laughs> As somebody who just had a, a senior, like, yes, you do. Exactly. You, you know special privileges. How do the teacher know, how's the teacher know you're learning unless you right. show you're learning? So. Give me a small cross-section of some of the, like, the unique classes that are offered there that you would not even imagine would be in a curriculum. I know a few. Okay, well, why don't you mention those? <laughs> there is an outdoor kind of rugged oh, right. kayaking and wall repelling. Andy Summers. Yes, there's uh, 3D printing and drone flying. Drone flying is something huge. Like how? I, I graduated so. <laughs> in 1998 and cannot even fathom that in my traditional high school. So the drone flying, that was kind of, um, you know, the students were interested in it first. And, of course, it came out of Greg Spencer's program because they were learning um, learning dro drone flying for our, um, our media productions. But then it grew from that. When we started looking at facilities, we went to, I think it's called the Endeavor, but it's the uh, engineering college at Oklahoma State University has built a building. It's, it's truly a lab, so students can come in there as they wish. But they have a huge space that's very similar to ours that has giant flags, uh, fans at the top of the, the roof line, and they fly drones through obstacles that are hanging through the roof and do it with variable wind speeds because those, those fans can be controlled. So we copied. <laughs> hey, no, we, we yeah. flatter. <laughs> we flatter. It is yes. flattery, yes. And so that's what the students will be using, and we do have staff on hand that are ready to be able to te teach an FAA course in drone flying. And I don't know if anyone's looked into that recently, but you can make a lot of money if you know how to do that well. Think about all the places that drones can get now that, you know, they'd have to go rent a helicopter back in the day or a weather balloon if those still exist. I don't know. They actually use them now. now. They, well, I heard this from the Secretary of uh, Agriculture. They use them to check on cattle now. Oh, that's amazing. When you have giant ranches, instead of, you know, schlepping out there on a horse or a, a four-wheeler, <laughs> you just bust out the drone and, and you can go check on cattle. And You then sound if, like you've been on a farm before. I have. I grew up in the country. <laughs> um, and especially when it's really cold outside. Yeah. You don't want to <laughs> hop on that four-wheeler. No, you don't want to drive out to sure. the North 40 and check on a calf. So um, so it's nice to be able to do that. But there's, there's just the... The use of drones continues to grow, so we want those stu our students to have access to those skills that will give them the future careers where they'll be very successful. So one thing we learned last year during the, the pandemic year is the importance of communication. 
Because if you are not open and transparent and thoroughly communicating with all of your stakeholders, including your parents, your patrons, your staff, your students, your board of education, then you lose a lot of things. So we implemented a lot of things that st- were still in place before that, but have learned to, to use them and, and we galvanize them to help us do communication. So I just want to talk a little bit about that because I'm sure that you wrote a lot more communications last year than you ever have in your whole life. <laughs> And, and trying to, you know, we, we closed schools last year at certain times. And, and then there was a lovely weather that came through in February. They did it on top of closures. But let's talk a little bit about that. Number one I want to talk about is social media. And I remember back in the day when I started a thousand years ago, we didn't even have a social media account because it wasn't around in 2002. But now it is almost the number one source of conveying messages and receiving messages I want to talk about that just a little bit. Okay. There's a way to talk. We're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it very, it's going to be fine. Um, social media is an, an amazing tool. It is. For everybody. It's also one of those that it's the greatest thing and it's the worst thing. <laughs> How do you balance the two? How do we balance the two in a, in a productive way? You know, honestly, that it, that's a challenge, not just for us, but for every organization across the entire globe, I think. Um, and, and no matter how much you communicate, it's never enough. And we realize that, but we, we try our best to, to communicate in a lot of different ways so that it meets every audience. Um, but social media, you know, we, we have used it successfully, and it, and it is a great tool because we've discovered it gets a message out very, very quickly. And a lot of our parents really don't have any other way that they get the news. It's, it's kind of shocking. That is shocking. Um, <laughs> well, if you think about it, there's no town paper anymore. Yeah. The ledger not. used to be you'd wait till it printed at 3 o'clock on the daily and you would go get it. My grandma would send me down the street with a quarter and go get the Claremore Daily Progress because that's right. how she got her news. Right. Now it's instant. You don't even have to wait for a printer. And, and the way we try to do stuff for our social media account is convey all those important things that are a mass group for people like football games, uh, upcoming deadlines, for instance, the free and reduced lunch applications that are going to be due on September 24th. Remember that date. Yes, please. And, (laughs) and just all that, like social media is such a wonderful way to get that out instantly. But then also you get feedback instantly. It's, it's, it's a, it's a love hate relationship (laughs) if you would. And I'm sure anyone who's on social media feels the same way. It's like right now, um, there's there's just a little tension out there, and I think you you could post um, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and someone com- would complain about the the weight of their wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but regardless, uh, we still love using the tool, and I, I think you know I said this last year, and I'll repeat it. Um, we need all need to give each other some grace uh, because I understand that we're we're all um, we're all trying to figure this out together, and we all have opinions, and we all are passionate about how we feel. Um, but I, I just hope that we give uh, the same um, leeway to others and allow them to have their opinions and their belief systems and not, not judge or attack on that. Some um, of us just type faster. <laughs> <laughs> I get my opinion out there immediately. Yes. <laughs> but in addition to our, our social media, we also have an amazing website that is thoroughly robust with pretty much every answer you can think of. So what we try to do in communications is do a, a, a shotgun approach, if you will, put it on the website, put it on social media. We have an app that we have that is exclusive BA schools app that you can go download. And we, we put out all of our information on that. And then school messenger, which to me has been the greatest tool that ever happened. (laughs) How in the world did we communicate to every parent back in the day 
without School Messenger? I have no idea. Did we call everybody one well, by I remember, one? I started teaching in 1991, and I do remember having calling trees about um, about snow days. Oh, yes. So, snow days, the only way you found out is on the television if yep. you're a kid. Yep. You woke up early, you and prayed for your <laughs> name to scroll across the bottom of that. But we had phone trees as teachers that, that you know, you'd have a group of ki- people that you were supposed to call. One person calls you, and then it just goes on. It's kind of like a telephone game. Um, but yet social media helps us tremendously with that So, and school messenger. You know, one other thing I, I have to point out is that a lot of superintendents last year turned to doing some quick videos and putting that on social media because you can say so much more and people sometimes get bored with reading information, so it's <laughs> easier. Sometimes they want it in two minutes and no but, more. <laughs> but it truly pushed me and all, uh, my my colleagues, my other superintendents, out of our comfort zone of, of doing those I was going to ask you that. Like, oh, how, how great do you love making a video? I absolutely hate it, <laughs> but I, I received a lot of feedback that people enjoyed that because it was a way to get the information out very quickly. And they were able to see, you know, there's a lot in body language. We know that I can't remember what the percentage is, but it's very high that you get from nonverbal communications. So right. I internalized that and realized they probably need to see my va- face, hear my voice, and the sincerity of that. We really aren't aren't hiding anything. I'm probably too transparent at times. Is there um, such a thing? I don't think there's such yeah. a thing. Not in education. <laughs> no, we're all pretty honest just because, uh, you know, we, we our kids keep us honest. <laughs> if you ever want to be honest, stand in front of a classroom of high school kids, they will call they you will, out. They will tell you exactly <laughs> what they are. Well, and I also think it humanizes people. Yes. And, and it just like the you can send a text message to somebody and say the exact sentence to them and get two different inferences on that. Without a doubt. Without so a doubt. I, I love that the video does that. And I also want people, you know, to realize that we are all, all of the employees here, most of us are parents are you know too and so we understand we understand how hard it is to raise a kid right now and especially in covid and you know we are just just as passionate about our students education and i always try to put when i'm making a decision like that i think what would i want from my three kids and and try to make that decision as a mom first that makes me think of something that just took me off a rabbit trail here when you talk about kids during covid a lot of people didn't realize their social and emotional needs that were tied to it, not just in-person learning, but in-person just being. So what are, what are kind of some steps that we've taken as a district to connect to that social and emotional need for kids? I'm glad you asked that. So our board actually made a a goal of this. It's one of our board goals for the next three years is to really focus on that social emotional health. And so as a result, we, um, hired one of our very best principals. She's phenomenal. And she is our new director over social, social emotional health. Her name is Rachel Kaiser. She used to be the principal at Creekwood and she's phenomenal. Um, oh, her but, staff let us know. Oh they gosh, were yeah, so they mournful. Were not happy. <laughs> was I was worried gone. about flat tires for a yeah. while. I thought someone was going to let the air out of my tires. But she has already just hit the ground running. And um, so her role basically is when we have any kind of um, need in our schools, whether it be a student or a staff member, she is to the rescue. She throws on her cape and goes out and provides information, help, resources, so that we can really wrap around that family and make sure they get what they need to get back on track. And what we have also realized is, you know, social emotional health, it doesn't know any boundaries. It's, it's not about socioeconomics. It's not about race. It's not about anything. That's, that's it's, correct. We all struggle at some times, and I don't care how together a person looks, they all have things that they need to work through and someone to talk to. So this has been well, a huge <clears throat> benefit for our kids and our staff. When I feel like the pandemic magnified that, if you had, you know, a little bit amount of anxiety, it tripled. 
under, under the pandemic. So this couldn't come at a better time. I always tell people, if you have a broken arm, you go to the doctor and you get your arm fixed. Yes. But if you have something broken in you, you better go get that fixed and not ignore it. Because it's just like if your bone heals wrong on your arm, it's never going to be the same. Absolutely. And we know that social emotional health, health also affects our actual physical health too. So you need to take care of it early and and there's no shame at all in None. it everyone i know that two of my three children had problems with anxiety through all of this so it's it's not you know no one has a market on it right and it's kind of a trickle down because you as a parent of course want to only the best for your kid when you see them suffering something you suffer and i get them. anxious yeah. <laughs> i'm anxious right now and then the whole family's anxious <laughs> so earlier we talked about rosewood elementary we opened that on uh, during the last school year yes and let's talk a little bit about that because it's such a unique elementary school it's located in the Okay, let me get this right. The southeast portion of our district over by NSU Broken Arrow, right on the Creek Turnpike. What is, when I went there, couldn't believe what I was seeing. Just the coolest school. But let's talk about some of the cool features that that school has that no other elementary school has in the district. So one of the features that we put in there, we had tried this out in some of our remodels and a couple of our new builds and in a small scale. And then we really used it a lot at Rosewood is uh, it's, it's called tube solar lighting. So in every single classroom, we have tube solar lights so that they are actu- the school, school uh, classroom can actually be lit up from sunlight. So we don't even have to turn the overhead lights on at all on sunny days. I agree with that 190%. Well, overhead you know, lights are the worst. A lot of people don't <laughs> react well to them. Yeah. They just physically feel bad if they're under under those types of lights. Now, of course, we've switched um, to LED lighting on most of our sites and the, the more economical. Yeah. Um, I think actually we finished with the entire district now. Um, but that's one of the features we had in Rosewood. Another one, we had a, uh, we had a water cistern um, put outside. And we have a little global garden. So the students actually use that rainwater to care for the garden. And they've understood, they've learned also about how to care for the water inside the cistern. We didn't realize we had to put additives in there to keep it from getting very funky in there. Get some algae going <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, so we figured that out too. But, it, but hey, it's all a science. learning process. Exactly. exactly. The students learned about why you can't leave stagnant water and what happens. Um, and so there's... There's just a lot of features in that site that made it much more environmentally friendly. I and believe it won an award for that it as did. well. It did. It won an award. Um, I guess uh, I don't remember what I can't it was. Remember it was exactly just recently. What it was. Yeah, it was really um, recent. But uh, it did win an award for it, it being so economically, or not economically, environmentally friendly. Um, Which probably makes it economically friendly. Well, it does. It does, and that's you know that's just part of the way that we are doing our best to be very responsible and fiscally responsible with with our bond dollars and our general fund dollars is why spend money on electricity if you can find ways that make it make it less much less expensive more money in the classroom that way well speaking of bond another great segue speaking on let's put on our future hats here and forecast what are some great things that we that this district absolutely needs in the upcoming years when we when our bonding capacity is back up and we can actually go out for votes what are some wish list items oh gosh okay so one of my first wish list items is you know we went through that high school configuration process for three years and we are now starting to see the fruits of our labor Um, two years ago we had 3,900 students on the high school campus 
And today we have about 3,700, yet we have a lot more high school students. And so how we did that is exactly what came out of the high school configuration process. Um, That committee decided that instead of just splitting the high school in half and and basically, you know, it'd be very, very difficult for the community because it would split the community in half. Can you imagine if it was BA North and BA South? No, I can't. I can't. No, no, Um, thank you. (laughs) So instead of doing that, we really wanted to focus on what happens inside the buildings instead of just how many buildings we're going to have and came up with uh, the conclusion that with our BA pathways, which is a way of making sure that every student has a plan post-graduation, whether it be military, whether it be um, go to tech school and then to career, whether it be um, go to college and then career, or to do an internship or apprenticeship in high school and then go straight into career after graduation. There are no other options. It's got to be one of those four. Um, Because what we know without a doubt is that each one of our students, if they um, have that experience, then they will be much more likely to gain full-time employment that has benefits, and that adds 10 to 15 years on their life if they have full-time benefits. So for us, it's a moral imperative that we want to make sure every student has access to that. Um, so the BA Pathways has, we've, we have the Options Academy now that is a different high school experience. We have the Virtual Academy that's a different high school experience. We have Vanguard that's a different high school experience. We have Early College High School that is now up to 360 some odd students. And we are expecting, projecting about 500 next year. So that's a small high school in itself and they get an associate's degree. I was going to ask. Complain all the credits. Yeah, they could have that before they even graduate from Without high school. Without a doubt. And, wow. and they can do it, you know, those students who qualify can do it free of charge, and those students who don't qualify still can do it very, very low price because they'll only pay for a couple of years and then be able to gain uh, the, the benefits of Tulsa Achieves if they live in Tulsa County. Um, and so that kind of brings up another thing that, that we would love to see in the future is being able to expand that Tulsa Chiefs out to other counties in Oklahoma. It'd be wonderful if it was statewide. Um, what a change that would make in our complete economy. So those are a couple things. The other thing I, I dream about, I'm sitting here on the high school campus, I would love to have a fence all the way around the high school campus. Ooh, you, know, you don't think about that stuff. <laughs> it's expensive. And, yeah. and we have to build something that's going to be substantial and someone can't just scale easily. Um, but we would love to have a, a fence around the high school campus for safety and security. With our growth, we'll have to have more elementary schools, and we'd love to do more uh, innovative design like we did with Rosewood um, in ways that can, can continue uh, to provide students learning opportunities that are, are different and unique, but also save the district money in operating costs. Um, there is, we do own land in the south, and we would like to put a, uh, another high school facility out there so that we can partner with Tulsa Tech and really offer some phenomenal programs, you know, expand our engineering options and, and our um, computer science, artificial intelligence, things like that, that really get into the tech field. Uh, we know that the innovation district will be right across the street of it, and that was by design. Uh, Not an accident. Not an accident. Not an accident. We weren't sure whether the Innovation District would actually um, go through, but we knew that we had that partner with Tulsa Tech across the street, so so we made that purchase a few years ago, planning for the future. Well, and you'd mentioned Career Pathways. I was told that Career Pathways actually start in 
pre-K now. They do. They have career boxes. They do. That is that is <laughs> phenomenal. That's just the sweetest, cutest thing I ever heard in my life. Well, I have to shout out to Miss um, Carla Diaz. She's our associate superintendent over instructional services, and her team has just taken this and run, and they they're phenomenal. But we do we have planned curriculum from pre-K all the way to twelfth grade, so that we don't let students fall through the cracks. Um, and I'm confident that in the years to come, we'll just get better and better since this is just only, oh gosh, a year into <laughs> inception. So we will get better and better with that. So I have to laugh about that for a second because I just met with the instructional folks before I came here and they said, hey, you should give us a shout out on the podcast. Well, there and you, you go. Did without, we did discuss that, I promise. It's easy to <laughs> do a shout out with them because they're just so good. And, you know, that's something I'm just so proud about with our 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 employees and our, our staff is people are here for the right reason. It's, it's, this is not about egos. This is not about uh, getting what I want. It's always about the students and keeping them the first and central. I don't think you can exist in education if it's about yourself. You can't. It's just not. It's, we don't do it for the pay. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know our teachers are pay, being paid better and better, but it's still, it's not even close to what you can do in in other uh, professions, and they are professionals. Yes. They are the education professionals. With, with the servant's heart. Enough. Yes. For sure. Um, yes, education professionals. We have to remember that. That's a good word, professionals. Well, I think that's all the time we have today for our first episode of Core Values. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Thank Janet you. Vinson, Superintendent of Schools. And we will have new episodes every month of Core Values, and we'll have special guests on, and it's going to be just a great little series just to get to know us a little better and communicate to the parents. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We're really excited in the future about this. So uh, tune in and let us know when we release this what you think. Also, what you would like us to talk about, because we're, we're all ears here. So thank you, Dr. Vincent. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you, everyone out there, and we'll uh, see you next time.